This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. As we welcome in from ABC 10 Plus, uh, the Locked On Kings <laughs> podcast, uh, our buddy uh, Matt George. Matt, we missed you. It's been a couple of weeks. Uh, it was touch and go here for today's appearance. They got you out chasing storms for ABC, but uh, we're happy to see you. Are you? Do you get? Are you frustrated that the Kings lost last night? Given, given, you know, because we talk about expectations a lot. Our expectations for this season clearly have changed. Um, are you? Are you frustrated the way last night's game went? Yeah, I'm frustrated in the sense that, like, I gave the Kings during this five-game homestand, I gave them one approved, forgiven loss, and their first game was that forgiven loss. So now they have to be perfect for the rest of this homestand. They got to go four and zero over the rest of this homestand. And and you know, I I had uh, I was talking with Frankie Cardicelli on on Locked On Kings today, and never heard of of my (laughs) title of the podcast today is um, is about. the Kings being greedy. Like to me, the Kings should be greedy when they're looking at this homestand. Like they, they should have the mindset that we are going to handle our business in this homestand. And for me, three and two was absolute bare minimum, but I'm still disappointed. Four and one is the expectation. Five and zero oh is the goal. Mm. Well, the five and zero oh goal isn't, isn't going to be accomplished. So now the four and one expectation comes into play here. Sacramento has to handle their business at home, usually regardless of competition, but especially with the competition coming through here. And I know it was the second night of a back-to-back and the Kings faced the Hawks both times on second nights of a back-to-back, but you can't, I mean, you can't complain about the schedule. It is what it is. You just go uh, move ahead and try and figure it out and no excuses. Like the Kings had opportunities to win that game failed to do so on their home floor, made some costly mistakes. Their defense was atrocious. And for some reason they could not finish around the rim or in the paint last night to save themselves. So uh, yeah, I I mean, I'm, I'm frustrated for sure. Um, But I'm also, it's not a reason to necessarily overreact, but to me, this stretch right now is all about building yourself a buffer for the final month to month and a half of the season. When teams start gearing up for their playoff pushes, really good teams start to get into their rhythm, expecting deep playoff runs. And if the Kings are going to be jockeying for a fifth, fourth or sixth seed, it's probably going to be one, two, three game gap between those teams. And you're going against teams that have been there before. They know they have that experience. They know how to lock that spot down. You don't. So you need as much of a buffer as you possibly can, or as much of a safety net as you can get that work done ahead of time with this homestand. Uh, By the way, shout out to Frankie. I love Frankie. Yeah, man, very, man. very talented young yeah. young journalist. Just works for the bad guys. One hundred percent, Frankie, my guy. Um, but no, I agree with you, Matt. You know, I I agree with you. This is a hell. Oh, that's damn near what you just said. <laughs> yeah. You got you and Matt George share share a brain. That's, that's why he's my guy. It's my guy. But uh, I agree. This is an opportunity for you to create a buffer for the rest of the season to Damien's point, the season's not over if you don't do that, but 
you might make your your job and, and your your task a lot harder if you play mediocre in this stretch with this home game and really the whole month of January because they're they're at home a lot in January. Mm-hmm. And I I think we were looking at it the other day. There's not too many games against teams over 500 uh, in January. So, you know how I feel about the NBA. Like, there's so much talent here. I, I like a, a lot of these players all throughout the league. But, you know, we can look at the Kings as the same Kings as the past and say, well, you're not good enough to, you know, think that we you should beat anybody. Or if they want to be a good team. Like, we don't say that about – the Bucks or but the that's Celtics. The thing. But those are championship teams. But that's the we don't thing. say about the Suns. That's a t- team went to the NBA Finals. But I don't think people are even saying about the Pelicans right now. Oh, well, Memphis, okay. <laughs> like all these, like they're looked at when they play uh, Atlanta but that's or not Orlando. What the Kings are though. Like the the, the, the the Kings are like you're talking about. If you're not going to be this team that we thought of before, they're already better. They're better than anything we've seen in <laughs> since 2006. Mm-hmm. They're already better. I don't know. That was my only point. Ain't nobody saying anything. That was my only point. They're already better. I don't disagree. All right. I don't disagree. They are already better. But once again, the expectations have changed. What we expected or what we were looking for for this team at the beginning of the season is not the same today because I think they're better than what we thought they were coming into the season. At least I do. Mm-hmm. I think they're a better team than that. They're they're more capable uh, they're capable of more than what I thought they were at the beginning of the season. No, and, and Kenny and I are on the save, same wavelength there because my first podcast of the year was talking about, like, we're now in 2023. This is where most people say the dog days of the season truly begin. And now we have the context of 30-some-odd games to make educated decisions or, or, or guesses on how the rest of the regular season is going to go. But typically people need a buffer of this many games or got to get to this point in the season to determine what a team is. And I think it's all, we can all agree. It's fair to say the Sacramento Kings are a good basketball team. So now your expectations can be adjusted to where like coming into this season, I thought best case scenario for the Kings and everything had to go right was them being the sixth seed. I thought they were going to be a play in team, but like sixth seed was absolutely best case scenario. Now, to me, best case scenario is actually having home court advantage during your first series, which is like a fourth seed. And again, that feels like a lot has to go right for the Kings to actually accomplish that. But fifth, sixth seed should be right in the ballpark of where the Sacramento Kings are. And at this point, seventh or eighth isn't the end of the world because you're still hosting a play-in game or at least one. But expectations change from that being the ideal scenario to now that not being as ideal as maybe what the Sacramento Kings can accomplish. So to me, it's all about like recognizing where this team is, has, has come from where they're at the fact that they are a good team, but we've discussed this before the gap between good and great is massive. So to be good is one thing to be great means like you're a, a five games above 500 team on the road in addition to 10 games above 500 at home the Sacramento Kings aren't that yet but a good team knows how to handle their business at home against a weaker schedule especially when you have two games back to back against a team that's at the bottom of your conference that's openly tanking for for uh, Victor Wimbayama so I mean it's a mixture of expectations how they've adjusted from where the Kings were at the beginning of the season to where they are now and like I, I, it's it's a realistic, fair approach to this homestand to say Sacramento needs to handle their business this way, regardless of their history. Like any basketball team 
in the situation of where the Sacramento Kings are during this homestand should handle this business appropriately. They're supposed to, and, and it's fair to have that expectation, whether you're a fan or whether you're part of the organization. Matt, we had a really extensive conversation earlier today about Mike Brown's rotations and guys kind kind of being in and out of the lineup. And, you know, Terrence Davis is an example who played four minutes last night during one stretch, never got another call. Rashawn Holmes played four minutes last night, never got another stretch. Chemezi Metsu, the only place we've seen him is on a milk cart, and he's not getting any burn anymore. What do you think about that practice that Mike Brown has instituted here uh, with a number of players early on in this season? I think it's a very fine line to toe between a land of opportunity. Like you never know when your number is going to be called. So you have to stay ready because you are going to get your opportunity and your opportunity is, is only going to be a flash in the pan. And unless you are 100% on or you're one of the top six slash seven players on the team, you're not going to have any consistency. Like, I think it's a really fine line, and I think uh, Mike has kind of fallen overboard sometimes on on both sides of the line. But at the same time, too, like I recognize there's some issues with this team that all Mike can do with this roster is just kind of throw everything out there and see what works. Like, say, hey, you're all NBA players. You know what I need from you. Do it. Like, respond. Like, we're being very transparent with what we need. If you can do it, great. If not, sit down next to me for the rest of the game and, and watch, and maybe next time you get that opportunity. So, I mean, I, I think it's a balancing act. To me, like, I've been paying a lot of attention to the fact that the Kings are are closing out uh, and winning a lot of really close games right now, which is great. Like, they have three wins by one point over the last week and some change. That's That's great in the sense that they can close out games, but... Earlier on in the season, they were blowing out Brooklyn. They were winning by close to double digits or eight, nine, at least comfortable margins. And and I thinking back to that time, one of the most consistent parts of the Sacramento Kings was the bench output they were getting. They were getting 30, 40, sometimes 50 points on a given night from that second unit. And with the exception of Malik Monk going off or maybe Trey Lyles having a good game every once in a while, like and that's not fair because Trey's actually been playing well, but you, you get my drift. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, like he's the second unit is letting him down to where even like last night when you have, what was it, three guys scoring 20-plus points, yep. it's still yep. not enough for you to win. Now, a lot of that has to do with the defensive play as well, but I think it's a very fine line that Mike Brown has to walk to figure out where to get his most consistent roster and consistent rotations because I don't think he does have spots seven eight nine and ten I don't think are consistent enough for him to iron down well and what I was saying was I don't think he's given these guys much of an opportunity like you see Terrence Davis doesn't play for like three straight games and he comes in in you know the game yet last night against Atlanta plays four minutes um he had some rough moments on the defensive end went one or two or something from the field and because of the rough moments on the defensive end, we all knew he wasn't getting back into the game. And there, there's, I'm sure Terrence Davis knew that too. You know what I mean? Like there's not a, there's not a whole lot you can do in four minutes in three games. You know what I mean? Like I think, especially with the fact that this team isn't lighting the world on fire right now. Like go back to what was working earlier. I don't know if that's going to work like it did earlier in the season. It might not. But what's going on right now isn't working. Playing these guys 40 minutes a night, not getting any production from your bench. 
Like you're you're walking a fine line with that. So I talked about it earlier. I said I think Terrence Davis, um, Shemezi Metu, and Casey Akpala need to be in the consistent rotation. I'm really worried about burnout with this team. I'm really worried about it, especially when we get into like like I said that that final month to month and a half of the season where Demonte Sabonis is an absolute beast. We see the numbers that he's putting up. We see him playing through a fractured thumb and. Like, this guy seems untouchable right now, but how long can he keep up playing? I mean, he's averaging a career high, 35 minutes a game. He played 40 last night, and the Kings still lost, and that was the second night of a back-to-back. Like, you're, I'm, I'm worried you're going to run these guys into the ground if you just continue with this, and I think this is a problem that they have to be aware of. And, of course, I mean, I think players want to play, so Sabonis is going to be out there. De'Aaron Fox is going to be out there. I think Fox on the win against the Utah Jazz in Sacramento, played the final 14 minutes of that game, including the final couple of minutes of the third quarter. Like, it's great to see them out there for those long stretches, especially when it results in wins. But at the same time, like when you got to do that 82 times plus, and here's what we're not talking about because we're not used to talking about it, like you're hoping for an extra seven, eight, nine, ten games in addition to those 82 in the playoffs. Like how how are you going to set yourself up for that? So I think Mike needs more, but I agree 100% with what you're saying, Kenny, is how does Terrence Davis showcase what he can do in four minutes? How does Rashawn Holmes showcase what he can do in two games with six minutes? They must be looking for very specific things that these guys aren't doing. And, and what I was going to say, even with the very specific things that these guys aren't doing, nobody else is doing it. Like if you're worried about like, oh, I can't put them in because we're not playing defense – you're not playing defense as it is. So, like, what, what are we doing? Like, nobody's playing defense except for Davion. And then KZ, who doesn't Davion's play. Davion's literally guarding everybody. And then there's that. That's a, that's, a, that's a great transition to KZ Akpala, who we thought played well the night before uh, and, and then stayed firmly planted on the bench last night. I guess it all just boils down to I, I don't know what Mike's looking for. And you, you talked about you know needing more, Matt, from the second unit. I, I'll ask you, is the more even on the roster? Like, have you gotten, with the obviously with the exception of Malik, with, with, with going, I think, what would you say, six, seven, going like eight, nine, ten, those guys, have you gotten all you can get from them? That's a I, – I, I think – I don't think all of it is on the roster, if that makes sense. Um, because what's good about this team, and we've talked about this before, D'Lo, like what's good about this team is that you can have guys explode on certain nights. Like Terrence Davis dropped a 30-piece earlier this season. Like there are do- guys on this roster that when they get the opportunity, they can shine even if they're not consistently getting playing time. Casey Akpala has come into games and had a significant defensive impact. I do think offensively he's a liability, but defensively we know what he can do. Uh, I mean, you, you, I can even say the same thing about Davion Mitchell, who I think is number seven. Like Davion comes out there and we see what he can do defensively. Offensively, he's had nights where it's like, you, I got to get more out of my backup point guard, even if De'Aaron Fox is playing 36 minutes. Like I got to get more offensively out of him. But defensively, we know that what he can do. It's like there's there's very specific things that each one of these guys does very, very well that you need and when put together really is helpful but you're not always guaranteed to get that piece of what they do. You're not always guaranteed to get Terrence Davis shooting lights out when he comes into the game. Malik Monk is another great example. I mean, Malik, some nights he's distributing the ball excellently. Other nights that distribution's not there. Some nights he's shooting the ball well. Other nights the shot's not falling, which is 
to be expected for players. You can't be perfect for 82 games unless your name is DeMontis Abonis, apparently. Mm -hmm. But outside of that, like, especially when it comes to like the backup big situation, like I, I don't know what the answer is on this roster. Like I, to me, I thought Alex Len maybe deserved a little bit more run. He's completely vanished again. Now that Sabonis is back. Rashawn Holmes, I think has more to offer than what he's showing, but I think systematically it clearly doesn't work. Chemezi Metu did things well for a week and a half. And then apparently is so deep in the doghouse that he can't even get an opportunity. Like I just, I don't know what the answer is because I don't really necessarily, it might be a good idea to ask Mike Brown specifically, what is he looking for in those short stretches? Because clearly he's not seeing it enough from anybody to feel confident. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yeah, uh, and, and that's the thing. And that's what we talked about as well. It's like, hey, he sees these guys on a daily basis, in practice, all this other stuff. We only see him, you know, for the two and a half hours during the game. Um, so he, he understands some of the things that he's looking for that's not being done more than we do. But I don't know. I, I would I would go back to what was working earlier. And that's and that's having Metsu as your backup five, T D in there, and I wouldn't put K Z in there somehow. And one of the reasons I go back to that, Matt, is I don't know if you remember the clip that Kevin Durant had. And obviously he saw the Kings like at their maximum power. They're, they'll probably never play like that again, the way they played against Brooklyn. But when he was breaking down, you know, the complications with trying to play against them and guard them, he was like, yo, then you got Metsu that could step out and shoot. Like, what do you do with that? Terrence Davis, he gave us 30. What do you do with that? Like, there's just so much. Like, like that's that's their strength is what they do on the offensive end. And two of those guys that he just talked about, they don't even play no more. But how long is the leash? I guess that's my that's my question is winning basketball games right now is essential. We just talked about how important it is to pick up games on this homestand and 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 things are going to get tougher. So how long do you give Davis and Metu and KZ to figure it out and incorporate them 
to the level that you expect or need for the Sacramento Kings to consistently win games. Because the idea here is incorporating these guys so that Fox and Sabonis and Barnes and uh, they they play less. But in the short term, does them playing less affect the Kings' win total? Because if it does, then I think to Mike Brown, it's not worth it. But it's look, more worth it to just but, try and pick up wins. But here's the deal. They're barely winning as it is. That's that's what I'm saying. Like, if if they were doing this and they were – Eight and two in their last ten games. Well, obviously we're not having this discussion, but like they're eking out wins left and right. They like they're five hundred in their last ten. It's not like they've taken off since doing this. You you're kind of you know keeping your head above water right now. Go back and see if you can get back to what was working before. I don't know if you can or not, but it's not like right now they're killing. Well, one of my chief concerns lately has been like the Kings have not, they've shown an ability to win close games, which I think is is excellent because typically they've struggled with that in the past, but the Kings haven't shown that next step of being able to, especially at home, close out games before the final couple minutes. As great as I love fourth quarter De'Aaron Fox dropping 22 in Utah, it, do you really need to be in that situation where he has to do that? As great as it was to see Kevin Herter hit that game winning three against Utah at home, do you really need to be in the situation where the Jazz are hanging around all game and in a position to snatch that game away? Last night, you could barely get within four points against the Atlanta Hawks until the very end at home. Do you really need to be in that position? Like, I'm, I'm waiting to see the Sacramento Kings figure out how to build an 8-9, 10-point lead and sustain it through the fourth quarter and coming into the fourth quarter. So my question is, do you think incorporating those guys and, and incorporating that rotation helps solve that problem or not? Because that's where I see the Kings really struggling is they're they're not handling business early or they're not doing what they need to do early on to set themselves up for a win unless it's coming down to the wire. And, Damon, I'll say they did before. <laughs> like it did before when they were playing. They, I mean, they had close games, but they had some major blowouts as well. But I also think over the course of a season, too, teams figure out how to handle you a little bit more. They figure out, like, they, they adjust things. And we've seen Mike Brown have to adjust the adjustments that the Kings have faced. Like, there's there's scouting reports and things like that. This is exactly what we saw in 2018 when the Kings were off to a really good start. A team adjusted, forced them into the half court, and the Kings completely fell apart. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not saying that's what's happening right now, but teams adjust to you over the course of the year, and Kings ta- caught some teams by surprise early on, and they're not surprising as many people right now. You can't stop DeMontis Sabonis and what he's doing, but you can stop Malik Monk from coming in and being a flamethrower off the bench. You can stop Kevin Herter from getting his catch-and-shoot off the curl handoffs from, from DeMontis Sabonis all game. Like, I've, I've seen teams adjusting to what the Sacramento Kings were doing successfully earlier that I don't think Chemezi Metu and Terrence Davis fix but I'm willing to give it a shot. Yeah. Uh, we've got tickets to see Uriah Faber's Night of Champions January 13th uh, at Hard Rock Live for you right now. Caller number 3-916-909-1320. We'll get you all set up uh, for Uriah Faber's Night of Champions January 13th uh, Hard Rock Live. Again, caller number 3 right now, 916-909-1320. Uh, I know Matt George will be a part of uh, Night of Champions. Him and I are finally getting in the in the octagon together. <laughs> the fit, tap immediately. The sixth round with Matt George <laughs> has, I think, one one thing as you guys talk about. You know, we talk about rotations and guys who aren't playing and minutes that the starters are playing and all these different things. And one thing Mike was really focused on last night was the defense and particularly the perimeter defense, which again it's a little head scratching given the fact you left Casey Akpala on the bench the entire time. 
it felt like to start the season, Matt, there was at least hope on the defensive end. It also feels like, Matt, that hope is gone. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the, the conversation today has been about how bad that defense was uh, last night. It was started by Mike Brown immediately following the game. Has the defense, in fact, regressed? Like, obviously, it was never great. But there was hope. There were glimpses. I used to say there were moments where they were playing really well on the defense. Is that all gone? I think there's a lack of focus. And and what I, I, like, I think it's hard to stay focused to improving something for 82 games, especially when you want to focus on the thing that you're naturally good at, which is that Kings offense. Like it's, it's, it's easy to see over the course of the game when the Kings are making shots and they settle into a flow a little bit. They're like, it doesn't matter if we stop them on defense or not because we're going to score anyway. Like how many times do we see teams that score 140 points in a win give up 125? Because they get to a point where they're just like, all right, we're, we're coasting. We don't have to play defense because offensively we're literally unstoppable at this point. And I, I, there's been a handful of games where the Kings have played that way. Um, I think this team doesn't look as focused defensively and locked in defensively for, to what they were trying to do and what Mike Brown and his staff were preaching at the start of the season compared to uh, or, or uh, the way they look now is is doesn't look the same. And even like, I think Davion Mitchell is the perfect example in the sense that Davion is the best on-ball defender on this team, and it's not even remotely close. But why is it that, and I don't blame Davion for this, but why is it that Davion will have those stretches in games where it's like, you, no one is getting past me, you're not scoring. Like, I love how he played against Colin Sexton when Utah was here uh, in Saturday. Like, he was in Colin Sexton's nightmares and probably still is because of how well he was playing Colin during that game. But that's not how Davion plays all the time. Is he capable of playing that way all the time? I don't know. Like I've never had to play defense that intensely for an 82-game season, so I don't know what it takes or not, what plays you can take off and what you can't. But I use that as an example more talking about that's the best-case scenario really that the Kings have on ball defensively. Now you look at the wide scope of the Sacramento Kings as a team. They have stretches. They have moments where defensively they play well enough to – get themselves into game or get a key stop or two at the end of a game or get enough stops to rattle off a 19-0 run to win in Cleveland. But it typically is predicated on how the defense or rather how the offense is doing. Like the Kings will get out in transition if offensively they're they're feeling pretty good about themselves and they're getting some momentum and getting the crowd involved a little bit. So to me, it's a lack of focus. I understand that. I think that's we talked about this before, Dan. I think that's who they are. I mean, the roster is full of offensive players. Mm-hmm. Their game goes yeah. as their offense goes. Which and was one of their biggest criticisms all offseason by people who said they were going to win 34 games this year mm-hmm. is that they didn't get better defensively. Yeah, and I, but, and I understood that. But I also think, and this is probably why I lean a little bit more towards like getting Terrence and Metsu in there, is because I don't – I've said this before, and I could be wrong. You're not going to be – like this defensive stalwart as a team. That's not how this roster is built. But you have an opportunity with how this roster is built to use your offense as your defense. Put the pressure on your ability to score as a team and continue to do that and to be multiple on the offensive end and, and create all these uh, you know, people, the other team's head on a swivel. Use that to your advantage. Like it, You guys tell me what you think. Do you think Mike Brown is trying to, what they say? fit a square peg into a round hole? Uh, yeah, that's different than you, you throwing the windows out earlier. <laughs> throw know. the windows out with the record. <laughs> yeah, throw the windows out with the record. But, I mean, he's and, – and I get it. He's a coach. He's doing what he's got to do. But he's trying to 
turn this yeah. team into a defensive yeah. team yeah. when this is an I don't want to say offensive but juggernaut, I, but that's their strength. But I don't think he's trying to turn them into the Boston Celtics or, or you know, more proper comparison. Right. I, don't I don't think he's think trying he to turn either. them into yeah. the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. Just think he's trying to get them to play competent defense, particularly in the final minutes where it's determining whether they win games or lose games. You're right. He right. said last night, if you hit a three, you hit a three. Like, we've got to figure that out. But they let we let guys get to the basket. Mm-hmm. And that's what he was most frustrated, or at least that's what it felt like he was most frustrated about is that in those final moments, guys were getting to the basket. I And, and I, I get it. I agree with you. I don't think he's trying to turn them into something they're not. But this is when we get back to, like, the rotations and some of these guys not playing. Like, you're not playing guys because they're not playing defense. But nobody's playing defense. So why not play the guys? Maybe. But but that that's also an assumption we're making. It is. It is. We don't, we don't know. It is. Matt, next time you see Mike, ask him, hey, why? what the hell is going on with your rotations, Mike? And frame it like, okay, Matt, you can do this. Hey, Mike, Chatty House wants to know, (laughs) the hell is going on with your rotation? Like, Terrence is in, he's out. Rashawn is in. (laughs) We ain't seen Shemezi Metu in in, in a month. If you could could, uh, take care of that, that would be great. I'll be sure to name drop Chatty House too, you just to make to. sure we you get have it. To. We got, we got to, we got to get the Chatty House some pub, <laughs> some, 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 some big mainstream pub. Because I need Mike to go. What the hell is the Chatty House? <laughs> um, didn't the Kings got two All Stars? Yeah, I'm. Well, I mean, well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> what? 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 Was, I just went through a three part movie in my brain. Sorry. Uh, the Matt was about to say, yeah, stupid. <laughs> what do you think? Well, I mean, I feel like it is, but I also feel like the NBA is going to drop the ball. Because to me, like, DeMontis Sabonis, there's literally no argument. Yeah. Like, there's no argument. I agree. Like, DeMontis Sabonis, he's the only person that's doing what DeMontis Sabonis is doing is a back-to-back MVP. Like, the wins are there. The numbers are there. The records are there. The the net rating on and off the floor is that, like, every single thing points to DeMontis Sabonis is an all-star. De'Aaron Fox is absolutely playing like an all-star. But who's paying attention? Are the right people paying attention? Like, to me, the fan vote that came out today, fan vote means absolutely nothing. And I understand people mm-hmm. are saying, man, you, the Sacramento couldn't find 100,000 votes for De'Aaron Fox or whatever. It was. Like, I get that. But also, for what? Him to be at the bottom of the list and it not matter? Like, I don't. I, I could care less about the fan I vote. I wanted to see his name on the damn list. I, I know it doesn't like, matter. I understand, man. You're 100% right. It does not matter. I wanted to see him and Sabonis' name on that damn list. And anybody who's on the media panel or any players who have a vote who are involving a name that they see at the bottom of the list and saying, oh, De'Aaron and Sabonis aren't on that because the fans aren't voting for him, well, pfft, then I'm not going to vote for him either. Like, screw you, then you're not in the position to where you should be voting on the the, the All-Star game to begin with either. Like, if you're paying attention to what De'Aaron Fox is doing and if you pay attention to the story that is the Sacramento Kings – yeah, De'Aaron Fox is an all-star. So that's why I say, yes, absolutely. But I don't necessarily trust the people in the or like the, the people making the decisions to recognize that because I think they're going to say, oh, the Kings are a good story. Okay, we got to give them one. Okay, it's got to be DeMontis Sabonis. It's easier with a front court player in the Western Conference. Like, to me, De'Aaron is absolutely a part of the conversation. And Casey, you brought up um, a couple weeks ago when you guys were talking about this. Um like you said, if you had to choose between the two, it's De'Aaron because De'Aaron's already been here. And the biggest thing that's held De'Aaron Fox back during his all-star conversations to this point in his career is, well, the Sacramento Kings aren't winning. 
Well, now the Sacramento Kings are winning and he's still putting up big numbers and he has improvements almost across the board, even if his role has been diminished a little bit because he doesn't have to be the superstar with the ball in his hands for 48 minutes. Now he can do it for eight minutes in a fourth quarter and it's enough. So, like, to me, they're both absolutely all-stars, but unfortunately I'm not in, in, in charge of that decision. Yeah. Steph do back right now, tentatively, January 13th. Mm-hmm. So eight, nine days from now, he's due back. Uh, assuming he stays on the floor. Like, Steph is going to play in the All-Star game. Mm-hmm. Um, Luca, Ja, you got Shea Gildress Alexander. You know, And then that's this is where you start to get into some, you know, like, I love Russ. Russ isn't going to make the All-Star team. Mm-hmm. Um, is Dame an All-Star this year? Probably. No. Book? Book, book an All-Star? Mm-hmm. Yeah, book is book is an all star. Book is an all star for sure. But is he going to be able to play? I don't know. I mean, he. I mean that he would. He probably probably be around the same time frame. They haven't announced it. I said January thirteenth because I think I think that was put out there about mm-hmm. Steph. Nothing's been put out about Devin Booker. But that's still a month away from All Star Weekend. Mm-hmm. I don't know when the teams get announced. It's not. It's in the weeks leading into. It's not like a you know a month before. So. Um, but even then, that's because Booker would, if if nothing else, Booker would be the one son. Yeah, because Chris yeah. Chris Paul is not going to make it. We we looked at Aiton's numbers. Aiton ain't going to make yeah, it. He ain't doing it. Even Mikael Bridges isn't going to make it. It's it's Devin Booker or no but, one, and they ain't going to let it be no one. But that's 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 six guys that you named right there. Um, we'll put Zion and on then Austin there. Reeves. Austin that's Reeves. it. <laughs> Austin Reeves. We'll put Austin Reeves. Uh, Zion. No, we wouldn't mm-hmm. want. But Zion. Um, people, you know, thought uh, Ingram was going to make it. He's not going to make it this year, so that's another spot. Um, but you got Jokic, Sabonis. I didn't even mention LeBron. Like I was only LeBron. looking at the guards. Yeah, that's ten. I don't know. My, Markin didn't look like an all-star to me the last couple of he games. Might, he might be one. That dude he is might good. Be one, but, I mean, I, I think, I think he gets on there. And we're and we're assuming Zion, Booker, and Steph play in the game. And I still think De'Aaron Fox is on that all-star I think team. all three of them do. You think they all play? Yeah. Steph absolutely is going to play. Steph is going to wind up being at, – at, he's going to be a top three vote getter. He's absolutely going to play. Okay. E- even if he plays five – they'll do the gimmick where he plays five minutes. If there's something wrong with him, he's absolutely going to play, though. Okay. Oh, I, yeah, I think there's a possibility I Zion just, and Book don't play. Though. I just don't think that. But they Book, may be Book selected, is different. Yeah, yeah. Book. They, I, I, I don't know how I feel about Book. Mm-hmm. Steph, I, I, I feel completely different. But I'm with Matt. I just don't. I don't know how. I don't know how Demontis Sabonis isn't on this yeah, team. He's a lock. There's just no way to to me. There's just no way. the things that he's doing right now on on a basketball floor. Not for the Sacramento Kings because so often when someone does something, and of course we, we frame it in franchise history. A Matt, uh, Simona's 15 straight double-doubles. No one's done that since DeMarcus. Well, how many All-Star games did DeMarcus make on a team that won 20 games? This is, this is, a, good, this is a good basketball team, and DeMarcus Simonis is, is extraordinary, man. He's an All-Star. And I want his name on this damn list, and I don't care what Matt George says. I know <laughs> Matt, they don't matter, but I want his name on this damn list. Matt George, next time, next time on Batty Thursday – I think, you know, I think Matt is playing, you know, a little injured right now. He's trying to work his way back. I think he's about 65%. We need back. We need Matt back at about like 95 next week. Matt will be back. Matt, Matt, Matt's got a lot. Matt, 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 just, Matt just moved. Uh, he's doing podcast. 
he he lives closer to me now. He knows I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna bother him when I'm bored. And, <laughs> right down and, the street, baby. I'm I'm gonna come over. You wanna and, do something tonight? You wanna hang out? And well, <laughs> want to want to watch a movie? <laughs> <laughs> and now, Matt, you can't come over tonight because you've got to go chase a storm. Ah, you know. What does that look like? What are you about to do as as we wrap? What do you What are you about to go do for work? Uh, go outside, find water, stand in it, and say it's raining. Um, stay inside, but we're not going to. Thanks back to you. <laughs> well, that's hard hitting news coverage right there. They just want the shot of Matt looking miserable outside. I think that's all they want. And quite honestly, ho- I'm not mad at ABC Ten for that. They're hoping for a strong gust of wind, so when I'm holding onto a pole, it looks like a flag. That's what they're looking for. That's tremendous. Kevin, also, go ahead. Sorry, side note, because I know you guys will appreciate this. I don't know if this is old news or not. Did you see what LeBron said about his pregame playlist today? No. I oh, I missed it. No. I didn't. I, it came. So I just, I'm just seeing it on Twitter. LeBron said, and, and we we know LeBron. He says he listens to a lot of Beethoven <laughs> on uh, pregame. Why does he do this, man? <laughs> Why does he do this? You do not. Yeah, I'm interrupted. You do not. Stop it, LeBron. Why does he do this? I don't know. I love it, though. What do I you, love every bit of it. What do you listen to in pregame? Matt, that was directed to you. What do you Me? listen to? Yeah. Oh. Uh, uh, I'm a big Mozart guy. All right. Person. Thank you. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in. If you're on YouTube or Twitch, hit the thumbs up uh, or the follow button before you go. Make sure you check out the latest episode uh, of the Locked on Kings podcast with our man Frankie Carticelli. Uh, I'm not sure where he works, but I know he's really, really good at what he does. Um, so check that Locked on Kings podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.